Thank you and thanks uh, to Compass for inviting me to, to give this seminar. Um, it's, uh, it's a great opportunity to actually present for a change some of my work which um, has developed and it's taking place within media and communications, but which I um, very often see as perhaps more relevant to work that is taking place around migration and around questions of ethnicity. And identity. So I'm very much looking forward to severe and hopefully um, constructive as well critique to what I have to say about stuff that many of you know much more about than I do, uh, but perhaps uh, an area where uh, uh, where you will find interesting uh, insights as these come from the field of media and communication as well. Um, you can see the title of my presentation on the board. Uh, this presentation is coming out of a project, a European, cross-European project funded by the European Commission, uh, titled Media and Citizenship. And it's a project that is coming very soon to an end. And it's a project that has, that aims to look at the uses of transnational television among Arab-speaking populations across Europe in order to explore some of the questions around citizenship. Um, of course, all this debate, thus the, the graphics there, come at times uh, and in an atmosphere in Europe where satellite television has become uh, a very contested area of uh, cultural life, but which has been addressed in, uh, in political ways as uh, perhaps uh, symbolizing uh, uh, political and cultural segregation across Europe and perhaps posing certain challenges, if not threats, depending on who is talking, to uh, European integration, to national citizenship and social cohesion. So this is where we started from and uh, this presentation is more or less where I have ended up going through this three-year project. And while the, this project has been designed to, with a focus on citizenship and the questions of citizenship as juxtaposed to, um, to the transnational spheres of uh, media consumption, increasingly through this three-year pro uh, three project, um, I found it in increasingly difficult to locate questions of citizenship as separate or outside the cultural sphere. And through the study and through uh, different kinds of data uh, uh, that we have collected with different kinds of methodologies, as I will say briefly in a second, we, uh, I have come to, to this position, trying to locate uh, the articulations, the way that people try to position themselves, especially through the system of a transnational subjectivity, which becomes a sphere of, uh, of articulation of an individual sense of belonging, but directly connected to systems of representation, both political and cultural, within the location where they live, in relation to the nation states where they live, but also uh, with clear links to transnational spaces and distant nation states. Um, so what I'm talking about today is this transnational subjectivity. And I'm, I'm talking about this transnational subjectivity among our Arab speakers uh, who participated in this study in three uh, different European capital cities, London, Madrid, and Nicosia. Um, 
and I'll try to make sense of some of the predominant discourses that we have observed and recorded in relation to the way that, again, people try to articulate their sense of being, uh, belonging and becoming. Um, two of the main themes that kept reappearing across this transnational sample are, um, are those two that are um, uh, on the board. One of them is this very individual, sometimes individualistic attempt to take control, uh, to make sense of one's own world. Most of our uh, participants are very aware of the, uh, of the position they occupy, both between and across cultural worlds uh, as members of the diasporas, but very much they are very aware of the very politicized uh, ascribed identities that Arab speakers, especially those who are Muslim, um, have been uh, uh, the, the, the politicized uh, ascriptions of their identity as Arabs and as Muslims sometimes. So the media appeared as something, as a, as a system of providing uh, a tool to make sense of their world. And it also provided a tool to make sense of one's world, also in relation to contradictions that people would have been trying to make sense of. And I call this the, the liberalism contradictions, contradictions associated with liberal democracy. Um, and I will talk about those contradictions later on, but I think what I'm trying to say by referring to these two strategic positions I have recorded, and uh, the uh, ones that I call strategic nostalgia in one end and banal nomadism in the others, in the other, have presented these kind of attempts to articulate the sense of the self, not only in the diasporic context, but also within a system which provides them with quite contradictory messages about what it means to be in a liberal democracy and consequently what it means to be uh, a citizen, but also what is expected from them to do uh, as citizens. This study takes place within a context that is very familiar, I think, to probably to all the people who are sitting in this room. Um, the, we are seeing at the moment yet another wave of the rise of Islamophobia uh, in Europe with the um, rise of the political power of um, xenophobic parties in Europe. Um, uh, of the conservative press very often playing with certain symbols that are presented as threat to European culture and Western democracy. The veil debate has been going on for more than a decade now. Uh, but then certain other elements associated with it within the liberal democratic discourse, usually associated with the private sphere, such as community life, what people wear, what language they speak at home, what kind of television they consume, have become, what food they eat even, ha have become issues very much politicized and issues addressed uh, uh, outside the public uh, private sphere and uh, very, uh, in a very uh, intense ways within the public sphere. At the same time, um, and not unrelated to the broader uh, political context in Europe, we see the growth of satellite television with Arabic satellite channels at the moment being more than 700, some people say, some other people say the numbers are even higher than that. 
You've seen, of course, some of the many stories these days, the revelations of, uh, of Al Jazeera about the Palestinian uh, negotiators' uh, 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 documents that came out. Thus, Al Jazeera not being the single one, but often capturing in, a, in the most uh, lively way the way that transnational media spaces um, have been developing and have been um, uh, developing a presence also within the European culture and political sphere. And within this, uh, this climate, we see, I think, a key contradiction which I tried to introduce briefly already and where I'm hoping to go at the end of this presentation, and even, even more so as, this is as I'm trying to turn this into a meaningful paper. So uh, there is a key contradiction where within liberal democracy there is a separation, on one level there is a separation between the political and the cultural sphere, between the private uh, 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 and the cultural environments. And on the other hand, and especially in the case of Arabic population and, uh, populations and their use of media or their cultural practices, this separation does not, uh, it becomes interrupted. And perhaps what people do is to try to make sense and to, um, uh, to live their lives within those environments where uh, these contradictions take place. Um, the, the approach I'm presenting today and the material I'm drawing from come from these three uh, European cities. Obviously, cities which are very different in many different ways and have different histories of migration and relations with the Arabic world. Um, yet, and this is what, where my emphasis lies, that even though we see within our uh, study certain distinct characteristics associated either with the specific cities or within the nation states, and the national politics where these people live, we see distinct, we, at the same time, we see transnational continuities in the discourses of, uh, of identity and identification across Arab-speaking populations. And this presentation it draws from these commonalities and continuities that we see in the development of a transnational space uh, uh, of articulating transnational subjectivity. Um, some, uh, some basic information about the uh, element of the study which uh, informs this presentation. For the whole project we did the first cross-European uh, survey on what Arab audiences actually do watch. Um, because as you know there's a lot of um, talk about what Arab uh, audiences actually wa uh, watch, but we know very little about what they do. Um, so we did a survey, we did focus groups, we did public engagement events, but this presentation draws from the focus groups that took place um, last summer in the three cities. What I've seen emerging again and again in the data of those focus groups have been uh, different ways of trying to articulate a sense of self. But I think that there are two distinct themes that have been reappearing. They haven't been called by the people, the participants, uh, essentialist or nomadic, 
But uh, my understanding and my, my analysis points to this reappearance and the persistence of those two uh, discourses. Of course, in proposing this, uh, this analytical framework of understanding transnational subjectivity within uh, this bipolar position, one which I call strategic nostalgia and the other banal nomadism, does not come out of nowhere. And the articulation of this analysis draws primarily from uh, two different pools. Um, the first one that uh, introduced and associated with Spivak and here discussion of the strategic uh, strategic essentialist thesis, where uh, Spivak has talked about essentialism. Uh, she said that essentialism does not necessarily, uh, is not always counterproductive in the politics of representation of minorities, but in certain occasions, and if it's adopted uh, as a temporary and conditional strategy, might actually um, uh, provide a useful method for minorities to seek and find visibility in environments where they are marginalized. It also allows minorities, she says, to develop alliances such as those that we have seen, for example, in Britain in the 70s around the, the, the color black, which was taken on board by both South Asian populations and, and Caribbean populations. It became this kind of essentialist a moment of strategic essentialism, where this, uh, the, uh, uh, the color, a racial, otherwise color, has been used to develop uh, specific political claims. Um, and she also says that, um, and, and some other people, like Hamid Nafici, who talked about uh, strategic essentialism in relation to the media more specifically, um, it has been discussed also in relation to those everyday spaces of belonging, that this kind of essentialism can, <coughs> uh, can, uh, uh, can work with uh, uh, political purposes within the frame of, uh, of cultural life and everyday life um, as people uh, try to position themselves in multicultural environments. <coughs> And the second theme, and I think that was uh, a great challenge and a great surprise for us as the project developed and we collected more and more data, that of nomadism, actually appeared as perhaps the most significant and the most often reappearing position among our participants. And I will give you a taster of what, of what I mean and what material we actually drew that are associated with this nomadic position. Um, in developing this discussion about nomadism, um, I, I draw primarily from the work of Deleuze and Guattari about the nomad, but also um, using uh, Braidotti's nomadic uh, ethics as a possibility of an orientation, of understanding oneself again within transnational spaces of belonging and also perhaps also as citizen. What Deleuze and Guattari say is that uh, nomadism becomes a position, a position of a, uh, of a subject who is not necessarily a migrant, and actually importantly for them, you don't need to move physically to be a nomad, but actually what, uh, what makes no, uh, a nomad, nomads uh, what they are is that uh, 
they uh, they challenge the the organizational structure of the society uh, around the nation state and around uh, the arboreal condi uh, conditions of identifying subjectivity, for example, with the nation as being the roots and people growing around it. For the nation as being a clear machine uh, that, and they make a reference to the war machine of the nation as well, uh, where the subjects, the human subjects, move within this framework and are, and are subject to the specific tr uh, strategies of the nation state. Um, and according to Brian Doty, the nomadism becomes more and more relevant as the world becomes more mediated. As the world becomes more mediated, these connections, these rhizomatic connections that surpass the organization of the nation state, state become more sustainable. And perhaps, she also says, they provide a possibility for imagining those alternative politics of representation, alternative politics of understanding oneself um, as, as a member of humanity and perhaps global communities. So there has been something uh, uh, that re relates to both uh, those two positions that have been, has been reappearing in our study. And what I would like to do is to refer to some of our data now that I associate with these two different discourses, strategic nostalgia on the one hand and um, banal nomadism on the other. The reason that I introduce uh, the concept of nostalgia, as you can see on top of the page, is captured uh, by quotations as, so, as those you can see here. The position that we see reoccurring across our transnational subject is not just one of essentialism, but even though it has strong elements of projections of an essentialist identity, what it also has is this preoccupation with a distant time and place. And very often, uh, the distant time and place um, is captured by, uh, by memory or uh, uh, a, a communal memory, an imagining of a certain place and time where things were much better than they are now. And this, uh, I think it's very important to, to make this link that uh, people move outside the present time and space where they are when they try to identify themselves within this essentialist discourse. Um, I, th this discourse, though, is not only essentialist, it's not only nostalgic, but it's also strategic in a way that, in a similar way, I think that um, Spivak calls, uh, talks about strategic essentialism. And um, it's strategic as it's expressed either directly or indirectly in relation to uh, specific attempts of individuals to find a place in the world where they feel more comfortable compared to a condition that they might describe when they talk about formal citizenship and political citizenship, like in the case of the first speaker there. But which, even though it has those overtones of nostalgia and essentialism, it's very much about the here, the now, and about this uh, interconnected and mediated world where uh, they are positioned. 
So that first participant from Sudan has been one of the people who has, in our focus groups, projected uh, more uh, uh, more strongly this kind of essentialist position. But uh, first of all, I think what's important, and which uh, one of the elements of this recurring position, is this dependence, and you might have seen it in a, in a previous uh, quotation as well, is this... Uh, uh, dependence on, uh, on uh, media communication technologies in sustaining these connections. But I think what's also important in relation to the dependence on these mediated uh, connections is that even though the uh, people who adopt this position project a dependence on the past and a distant place, this uh, articulation of their identity can only take place through a system of communication technologies that is very temporal, very transnational, very much about now and about those uh, the transnational networks they function with within. So when this guy says in the end that I, um, not a single person thinks that I have been outside Sudan for even a day, it's not clear to me if he's referring to people in Sudan, his immediate family, if he's referring to um, if he's trying to impress the person who's conducting the focus group, so you wouldn't know, or if he's actually talking about um, people, the state in Britain, um, the authorities in Britain, who he actually, in the, in the rest of his uh, discourse, he very, uh, very directly and passionately resists. And this presents, I think, one way of people uh, uh, using the media and communication networks to actually not only project uh, a specific identity that relates to their past and to their country of origin, but also to sustain a sense of visibility in the countries where they live. And this links to the other example, which has been also a reoccurring example about uh, this kind of discourse being used as a form of resistance to the politics of exclusion, and very much the politics of exclusion associated with the nation state. Um, so uh, in, the, in the bottom case, I think what we see is really this, uh, uh, this inevitable turn to this essentialistic uh, introvert projection of subjectivity. Because as one of the many people who say things like that, if you're marginalized, if you're not accepted in the society where you are, really seeking a home is about seeking it within uh, people of your own origins, people associated with uh, your past and your uh, particularistic sphere of being. And there are certain characteristics, I think, that we see uh, emerging through this discourse, which uh, I refer to as strategic nostalgia. It is about, it is a discourse that aims to, uh, to sustain a sense of, of boundedness, and a boundedness that relates to a pure past, a distant place, and very much the media in this uh, kind of framework are used in order to reaffirm those boundaries and to reaffirm particularistic cultures. But at the same time as this position uh, uh, is projected very often as a counterposition to marginalization and also to the trivialization of what it means to be a Muslim. 
people say that we're fed up with this discussion about the veil and I will wear the veil because there's a different kind of articulation of what the veil means to me and it's not the same as what the mainstream media say that it means. Um, and it's also, uh, more than anything of course, it is about projecting particularism. Uh, and particularism here, I bring it in as against or as, uh, as, a uh, as an element of the continuum between universalism and particularism. But I think very much people who adopt this essentialist discourse um, aim to, uh, uh, to turn to a particularistic politics which is very much introvert and very much about a withdrawal from the now and here. Um, on the other extreme, and of course no, not everybody fits within these two, uh, 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 two kinds of discourses, but these two discourses have indeed have uh, a very strong presence in our study. Um, on the other uh, extreme, we see this reappearance of the, nomad, reappearance of the nomadic discourse. And again, more, much more often than uh, the essentialist discourse. Um, quotations like those that you see on the top have been again and again recorded in our study. I'm, uh, I'm from here, I'm from there, I'm a citizen of the world. Uh, I could be from anywhere, I could be from Mars. These are all things uh, that people say. Um, and they say that and they project what they do um, uh, more often than not in this framework of banal nomadism is to resisting the, uh, any uh, identification with a single nation state. We see a continuity between the, this nomadic articulation of subjectivity as I don't belong anywhere and the way that this group of people use the media. And it's not, I, I don't think they're parallels, but the one fits the other. The people who tend to adopt the nomadic position are most likely to be promiscuous in their media use. They're people who will use all different kinds of media and who tend usually to use all media in a critical way. There are people who will say things like that uh, on the board and who will say, I trust Al Jazeera for news from the Middle East, but when I want to know uh, what's happening in Europe, I will watch BBC. Or I switch on Al Jazeera because I want to see uh, the perspective of from within the Arab world uh, um, I switch on Al Jazeera Arabic to do that, then I switch off on BBC to see what the West thinks, and then I switch to Al Jazeera English to see how the Arabs speak to the English-speaking world. So the layers of communication and the, <coughs> sorry, and the awareness of the nuances and the complexities of the media world within this group um, is, uh, is very important. So we see uh, a group of people who tend to have this uh, cosmopolitan orientation, who tend to be extremely worried about identifying with any kind of nation state, either of origin or of destination, and they increasingly do so through, uh, through their uses of the media, which also at the same time reflect this mobility between different cultural and political spheres. <coughs> 
um, their lack of loyalty and their resistance to loyalty to the nation state, as you can see on top, is associated also with their uh, resistance to loyalty to any media. And like um, going back to, the, to their conceptualization of nomadism, um, as the nomad is unable to fit within a very uh, um, a structure and linear form of, uh, uh, of the political system associated with the nation state, perhaps these people also feel um, they cannot associate with a single medium that represents a single political or cultural sphere. And of course, this also relates to the reflexive individualism, I think, um, um, discussed um, uh, uh, discussed in association with modernity, and there is an argument that this could be also a reaffirmation of an Arabic form of modernity um, that is very much uh, reaffirms very specific value systems associated with modernity and also liberal democracy. And in the in the following uh, quotation, I think there is also another example where the, it is reaffirmed. <coughs> that what we see in this nomadic discourse is not a form of escapism, it's not a position that is, uh, 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 <coughs> should be understood outside modernity or outside liberal democracy, but rather we see the, uh, the reaffirmation and the dependence on values uh, that are very much associated with, uh, uh, with democracy, which are very much associated with an individualism and individual um, and a reflexive individualism that positions all these people within um, uh, within a framework which is not naturally dependent, but the values are very much um, the values uh, the normal depends on are very much associated with the liberal democratic discourse. Um, this. Um, as I hinted already, this position of the nomad uh, might go beyond the media and very often is associated with uh, the ways of seeing the nations of the, uh, the state, uh, the state of origin and the state uh, of residence, but also to see and understand what happens uh, around one's world. But the transnational media spaces here become, play a different role than in the case of, um, of the nostalgic people. Instead of the media actually being used to reaffirm boundedness around a, an introvert particularism, what we see is that the media here becomes a way, a tool, and a framework to, for reaffirming this nomadic and mobile position. Thus, it's no coincidence that the people who do adopt this nomadic position are actually what I call you know, promiscuous media users. They, they turn to all different linguistic, cultural, and political uh, media spheres in, um, in their everyday life uh, and in trying to make sense of their world. And this is where the banal comes in, which uh, I should have mentioned earlier. This nomadic position is very banal and ordinary, and the reason I use it here draws partly from uh, media communications research on the banality of use of media in everyday life, uh, the fact that television plays such a huge role in people's life and in their construction of their identity, 
Exactly because it's so banal and ordinary. Because you don't switch on the TV and you do it because you think, I'm going to be a citizen now, and I switch on the TV. The TV is part of this ordinariness. And partly it draws, of course, from Billings' um, banal nationalism, where he, ref he talks specifically about the media and how the media, in a rather banal way, reaffirm the, uh, the, uh, the boundedness, boundedness of the nation and this sense of a strong weakness. In these very diverse media scapes where these people move, I think we see this kind of uh, uh, the other, another expression of this banality. While Billy says that um, a, a national media reaffirm nationalism when they talk about our football team or our flag or our prime minister and so on and so forth, these transnational media worlds talk constantly about uh, conflicting our worlds. So when one switches on Al Jazeera, they talk about the different our compared to when you turn on BBC. And thus, uh, by constantly being exposed uh, to these different um, uh, systems of claiming ownership of one's, uh, of one's world, uh, one's world, we sometimes see that people actually end up switching to a third space. Um, it's a third space, though, and that's again, I think, where the political significance, I think, uh, that I'm trying now to, to articulate comes in, the, the political significance of this, <coughs> of this analysis comes in. It's a third space that is not outside uh, um, outside the politics of democracy, is not outside the politics of responsibility of people as individuals, as citizens, as members of communities. Um, so going back to Brydotti's um, suggestion, it could be actually one of those spaces that we can see the possibilities at least of the emergence of alternative politics of citizenship and participation. And as I've been hinting around this liberal orientation, I have just two quotations as I come close to the end, you'll be happy to know, um, about certain, um, um, the commonality of thread that goes across these uh, quite different discourses that I tried to present here in brief. You see discourses like the uh, arguments like that going across people who adapt a strongly essentialist discourse and people who adapt a nomadic discourse. All of them, either they turn into this introvert uh, community or uh, to, uh, to a world, to, to a community outside the boundaries of the nation state, they, uh, in, in the vast majority, will say things like that. What democracy means, what citizenship means, is respect of rights and humanity. What many of the uh, nostalgic people will say is that I will always be Lebanese, and my, as one of the early quotations, if you remember, references to blood about what defines people's existence, but then at the same time, they will criticize the politics of the nation state in Lebanon or in Syria or in Egypt, and they will do so within this lens of 
the liberal orientation which is associated with the position where they are now, being in Europe, being in Britain, in Spain or in Cyprus. Um, so in trying to make sense of what this means, um, I think that what we see in the two different, um, uh, two different discourses are two different ways of understanding territoriality and territoriality in relation to politics of representation. In the nostalgic case, the overemphasis on a distant place and a distant time, which cannot exist in, uh, in real terms and it cannot exist as a point of destination or, uh, or as a point of reference uh, in relation to people's lives at present, uh, could be perhaps interpreted as this politics of no territoriality. Thus the particularistic politics of identity very much become um, um, difficult to be located. These particularists cannot be located and perhaps represented within the societies where these people live because they turn to this beyond these uh, references beyond the spatial and temporal locations where they are. While I think that this nom the nomadic position, um, even though it's, it emphasizes this third space, this third space actually it's not, um, it does not lead to this kind of um, unrealistic, uh, 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 unrealistic ideology, if you like, in relation to the politics of representation, but perhaps it leads to uh, these kind of new forms of territoriality. Because what these people project, I think unlike the nostalgic discourse, is not the, the erasure of what happens in this time and this space where they live, but actually they project, uh, they project um, a desire for a politics of representation that goes across the political and temporal boundaries where they live. And this could be associated with a new rationality and the new ways and the re-articulations of the concept of the public sphere as a rationality that is not only about, uh, located within uh, the narrow definition of the public sphere associated with a, a place and the nation state, but it could be associated with global public spheres, the discussions within cosmopolitan uh, uh, citizenship, the fragmented yet relevant public sphere, and so on. So we have, I think, in terms of what politics uh, indeed might emerge within these two different discourses or where they can point to, I think we have two quite different positions. But at the same time, I think we see certain continuities which are also important to record um, as, uh, uh, and uh, they are important to juxtapose within the, in relation to the limitations and the different orientations of the different discourses. Both positions, as I said, um, uh, depend uh, on this liberal individualism. Perhaps the nomadic position more so, but even within the essentialist discourse, I think what we have recorded is this retreat of the communal or communitarian discourse. Those uh, uh, nostalgics are, are very much aware of this individualistic liberal politics and I think you know the way that they even project 
this essentialism, this particularistic essentialism, remains well put within this framework. <coughs> what both positions also represent is this crisis of the national politics of representation. Um, and, and perhaps unsurprisingly, but also importantly, there has been a lot of resistance and a lot, uh, we have recorded significant resistance and significant disappointment as well with the politics of citizenship within each specific nation state but also within uh, Europe in general. But also importantly I think what we see is not only the crisis of the nation, national politics within Europe but also these people, either they're nostalgics or nostalgic or nomadic, do not turn to the nation state of their country of origin. They turn to the nation, there's uh, the people who turn to nostalgia, to the nation as a primordial community, but far from turning, they're far from turning to the nation state as a space of representation. They're very aware of the limitations of the nation state across the Middle Eastern region. And what they both represent perhaps more strongly than anything else is the d different forms of exit strategies. Exit strategies are from um, Eurocentric culturalist hierarchical political discourses where uh, people are very much aware how their position based uh, within this uh, hierarchical system that has consequences for politics of representation. They're very aware that their position um, in certain place because of their culture, because of their religion, and because of the, of the tensions between the Arabic um, uh, and the European or the Western world, the Arabic political or the European Western political world. But while they resist and they want out, of this kind of politics. At the same time, they don't want out of politics in general. What we see is that in different ways, either in an introvert, perhaps not productive way, or in a promising, uh, promising and uh, utopian way, what they turn to is perhaps the possibility of an alternative system of politics and representation. Thank you.